We are uh, continuing the theme of um, prayer, as we've already been doing for these wonderful young families just now. But what we're actually doing, starting today, we are starting at Beacon Church four weeks of a particular focus on prayer. Uh, I'm going to introduce the subject, then Andrew's going to help out in a moment. And just gradually, we're just going to explain the point of this month and explain some of the practicalities of this month. So let me just start with just with the subject of prayer, first of all. Can we have the slide up, please, Paul? That'd be fabulous. Thank you very much. First of all, what is prayer? Sometimes that's a good question. Not even Christians can quite answer it sometimes. The slide's on the way, don't worry. What is prayer? Last year, the Guardian newspaper did a poll on prayer, just amongst the general public in the UK. And they discovered that over 50% of adults in the UK pray, whether they feel religious or not, whether they affiliate to a particular belief or not. Over 50% of adults pray, either regularly or at least irregularly. 20% of British adults pray despite not being religious in the slightest. It's interesting that many people who are unsure if there is a God, or who or what that God looks like, or even people who are sure there isn't a God, still at times do pray when they're concerned, when they're lonely, when they need comfort, when they're in crisis, and so on. Prayer is something that even if we can't grasp what it is, as, as a notion, in some ways tends to resonate with most of us, at least understanding, even if you can't quite explain it, at least understanding some of the heart of it. However, assumptions can happen nevertheless about what prayer is. Sometimes the assumption can be that prayer, particularly in public, can be boring. Sometimes, I get it, sometimes actually it can come across like that. Sometimes it can be assumed that prayer is about chatting, merely chatting with an invisible friend. That can be some people's perception of what prayer is. Some people might perceive prayer as being a bit like a message in a bottle. Help. In a bottle, thrown out. You know they do on the desert islands, and they hope it lands somewhere where someone might pick it up, might read it, and might be able to come and rescue you. Sometimes people treat or assume prayer as being a bit like that. It's kind of having a go, a bit like prayer bingo. I'll have a go, and hopefully I'll get something back. The Christian faith, however, understands prayer as to be far, far more than any of that. That prayer isn't boring. Prayer isn't a random attempt at hoping for something slim. It's not just chatting with an invisible friend either. It's far, far more than that. However, the Christian faith also believes that prayer is far more than God being treated as a supernatural ATM. Push the right buttons and cash back. It's not as simple as that. Either Prayer is far, far more than that. I could speak at length about what prayer is. In fact, three times, three Sundays last autumn, we spent um, three whole Sunday mornings speaking about what prayer is and teaching into it. Just for now, just a very brief, just three points to help you grasp what prayer is. Firstly, prayer is both communion and encounter. It's about communion, about that intimate moment, about encounter with something greater than us. There is... In prayer, there is a wonderful combination of both or we recognize quite who this God is we're approaching, this king on the throne, this God who is bigger than the universe that he made, this God who is holy, which means separate, he is other, he is transcendent, he is something else. When we, we have a certain awe when we're recognizing for who he is, and yet he also invites us into an intimate place with him, calls us his children, and him our father. Suddenly there's this 
oh my life, I, can't, I shouldn't be allowed anywhere near this person and he's beckoning us in. There's an awe and an intimacy. There's a wonderful combination. There's, it's a place of affection and reverence. Not to be flippant, but we're allowed to step into his presence nevertheless and cuddle up with our dad, effectively. That's what it is. Prayer is both a combination of communion and encounter. Secondly, one of the misunderstandings of prayer is, is that prayer is treated as a conversation. Prayer is a conversation, but we get it the wrong way around. We think, I talk to God, and he'll talk back to me. And then 99% of the time when we don't hear him talking back to us, we feel rubbish as Christians, and our prayer life is rubbish, and we feel guilty we're not doing it right. That's quite often, that can be our, our experience. I'm talking back to him, and I just don't hear anything. Well, actually, prayer is the 180-degree flip side of that. Prayer is continuing a conversation that God has already started. When we realize that God speaks to us through his word, he speaks to us through other people and through circumstances and other ways as well, when we recognize that God is revealing himself to us, we get to step into that conversation and continue the conversation with him. In light of what we're learning about him, we can talk to him about that and thank him for his greatness and for his character and for the things he's doing. We get to continue a conversation that God has already started as well as asking for stuff. Suddenly it becomes relational in a whole new way. So prayer is a a combination of communion and encounter. It's also continuing a conversation that God has already started. And thirdly, about the power of prayer. The power of prayer is not found in the words that we used, that we've used, that we're making sure we get the words right, use the correct mantra, what's the key word here, what will unlock this. It's not about the words we use. The power of prayer is not found in how long we pray for. The power of prayer is not how loud we shout the prayers and how vehemently we do it. The power of prayer, in fact, is found in the one who sits on the throne. And the power of prayer is in God's hands, not ours. And his hands are all-powerful and unchanging. That's where the power of prayer lies. And we get to continue that conversation that he's already started, step into his amazing presence as his children of the king. That's prayer. And that, suddenly, should not be boring should be exciting, it should be enticing, and we should want to do it more, those of us who believe. With that in mind, as a new annual practice at Beacon Church, we're going to spend the month of March and continue the same again next year. We're going to spend a whole month pressing in to focus on prayer. I hope prayer, at the very least, is something we aim to do as part of our Christian lifestyle, part of our walk, part of our journeys as as followers of Jesus. But sometimes there is a place for seeking breakthrough on something in particular in certain situations and for digging deeper into knowing God. Sometimes we just have to press pause on some of the regular things we do, make extra space, like, no, I'm going to commit to this, I'm going to press in deeper to seek his face and to seek breakthrough. And those are the two things that we're going to seek over the next month. It's a bit like mining. If you think, I've never mined, but I can imagine that if you're a miner, chipping away at the coalface, there is the daily digging, coming away with another bucket, coming away with another bucket, digging, digging, digging. And you can feel like you're not making much progress, but there's value in it. But also sometimes when we hit a particularly difficult seam of rock, we have to drill in, put the dynamite in, and light the fuse. And that takes greater intention, often harder work, but it creates a sudden breakthrough for us to continue in this relationship with God. It's the same. It's it's a bit like mining. And so this month, that's what this is all about, a Beacon Church. And the four Sundays preceding each week of the four each one of the four weeks is going to be like anchor points where we're going to uh like today i'm just launching just with an introduction to the subject and andrea will in a moment but then the next 
Three Sundays, there are going to be extra anchor points just to help us dig deeper into the subjects of fasting. Next Sunday, uh, John will go deeper into the subject of fasting. That is a that is a jewel in the church's treasure trove that we have l- allowed to slip from our radar, I've got to say, particularly here at Beacon, particularly in my own life. It's something that we have lost and something is hugely valuable and we need to pick it up again as a church. So John will at length be speaking into that next week. Andrew will be introducing in just a moment. And then also the, the week after, in two weeks' time, Maureen Gould will be um, speaking on seeking God's presence, seeking the fire of God's presence, what that really means, and as we, as his people, need to be seeking after that a lot more, and so on. And then week four will be a surprise. Ooh. Ooh. And do you want the truth of it? It will be a surprise to us too, because we have purposely kept it blank at the moment. We are excited and expectant that God will do something over these next few weeks. And the nearer we get to Sunday number four, we'll know what we're meant to be doing that Sunday. So <laughs> that's, my, that's my trust, that's my hope, and that's my expectation anyway. So like I say, there's two particular targets this month. Um, first of all, it's about asking God for stuff, asking God for things. He tells us to. He tells us to. Ask, seek, knock. That's what he tells us to. There are areas in particular, which we'll look at in a second, where we hope to see breakthrough in our own lives and in uh, our neighbourhoods and the lives of people around us. But also, as well as just asking for stuff, more importantly, I'll suggest, is about seeking his face as a church, both individually and collectively. What I mean by seeking his face, I mean, to, in other words, to know him more deeply and intimately. He invites us in and he tells us to do so and quite often we can be flippant and get distracted with the bling of life, the confetti of life, and actually not do it. And there's, what, what a privilege we're getting invited into, and quite often we just discard it and dismiss it. We need to do that, and that's what we're going to do as a church, about seeking the giver more than the gifts, if that makes sense. We as a church, just a few weeks back at the beginning of the year, we sensed God hinting to us, asking us to lean in closer, to listen closely, because he has far more to say to us. Well, unless we intentionally decide to do that you know the whole thing about listening skills you can hear someone but not actually listen to them it's the same sometimes we think we're hearing from God we're not actually intently listening to him we as a church need to do that I believe and I believe he will speak in big ways I'm trusting this month we will hear his voice for us as individuals for us collectively and when we do all the things that we will also be asking for will I'm certain find their rightful place that the walls will come down in certain situations and that God's glory will be displayed. Are you up for that? Yes. Are you up for that? Good. Let's just look more closely at the how. First of all, let's look at Scripture. 1 John chapter 5. While you're turning there, and it will actually come up on the screen, hopefully, while we're reading it out in a moment. But while you're doing that, just for a moment, think about the kinds of people you've placed your confidence in in the past. Think about people you've placed your confidence in, and rightly so, it didn't backfire. <laughs> Think about the people you've placed your confidence in, whether they're family members or friends or colleagues. Why then? Why did you place your confidence in them? How would you describe them? Tell me, shout out. How would you describe those kind of people? Reliable. Reliable. Trusting. Trusting. Honourable. Good words. Loyal. Loyal. Wise. Wise. Integrity as well. Amazing words describe. You picture someone like that who's trustworthy and reliable and honourable and wise and a person of integrity. Suddenly that, is, that's up, that person's up on a pedestal. 
And when we recognize the God we're coming to, it suddenly should enrich our prayer lives in a whole new way when we recognize who it is we're coming to. In this uh, 1 John chapter 5, this is a letter written by, in fact, Jesus' best friend, his BFF while he was on this planet, this guy called John. Jesus' his closest friend. He's writing this to the believers. And he says this, uh, chapter 5, verse 13. He says, I write these things to you, who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked for him. That's pretty bold. That's pretty bold. We have utter confidence John here is saying that anyone who believes in the name of the Son of God, what he means by that, he's saying anyone who believes in the man Jesus has been exactly who he said and demonstrated himself to be, the Son of God. And that knowing that you're a mess and knowing that nothing you can do can ultimately fix that internal mess. Instead, you're relying on him to clean you up at the cosmic level, effectively. That person, if that's you, you belong to God. And so John is saying, because we belong to him, if that's you, you have utter confidence that God will hear you. Utter confidence. Just think about that for a moment. That the great author behind everything that exists, giving you his entire attention. It's quite mind-blowing. And so John is then saying, because we know that he listens to us because we belong to him, John says, we're told our requests, when they're according to his will, of course, that they are ours to own. Because remember that God is not a supernatural cash machine. He's Father God. He's not Father Christmas. Very, very different. Yeah, writing out your Santa's list for God. It's more than that. This is your Father, and he knows what's best for you. And so what John is expressing here is not, dear God, can I have thousands of Instagram followers? Can I have a bigger house? Whatever. What he's saying is he's provoking us to be confident in asking the one who hears us knowing that he is the great life giver. In fact, that's what comes up in the previous verses. Meaning that God's answer will always be about what brings us life and not knickknacks. And so, church, as we pray together over the next four weeks, let's seek what brings life to us and the people around us. Amen? Yeah, amen. If you want to have a look at your um, little handouts, you probably found it on your seat. There are some large print at the back as well on the table. And I was aware we almost ran out. We didn't have enough for all the chairs we had to put out. So if you're still looking for one, there are some large print A4 sheets just on the table if you want to work through them with us as well. Just look at the one about prayer. There's a prayer guide. I'm just going to show you what we're going to do over the next four weeks before I hand over to Andrea. As you can see, the four weeks are spelt out of different focus each week. So week one, starting today, we are going to pray for Herne Bay. We put a, a verse in there, myself and the rest of the leadership team, we put a verse in there, we, help, we trust will help you, you can pray through this verse, use it to inspire your, uh, your prayers throughout the week. Just when, you, when you're praying alone, when you meet with other members of Beacon Church, when you meet in twos or threes, when you meet as our small groups during the week, when you happen to bump into each other, just use the opportunities to pray for Herne Bay. You can, you can phone each other up, do it over a phone call, do it over text and WhatsApp if you like, but just you, by hook or by crook, let's be creative. 
Let's find ways to pray alone, but also pray together for Herne Bay. What I'm going to do to help you with that, I'm going to do a video this afternoon, just a brief video that go out on social media, but also I'll put it into written form that will go on the website alongside our notes for, for today's audio as well. So you can find it in different ways, and you can put some helpful breakdown of some statistics about Herne Bay, things to pray for, particular areas of Herne Bay that need help. There's things like antisocial behaviour that's been going on. Let's pray for the emergency services, pray for our schools. I'll list all that out for you to help you pray, because I know quite often after 30 seconds of prayer I can run out of stuff to pray for. It's helpful when you've got something to work through. I'm going to do that each Sunday on each subject. I'm going to do a different video and a, and a written upload to help you pray further than what's just on this sheet. Okay, So I trust that that's going to be helpful. So keep your eyes peeled in the next 24 hours for that. So that's this week. We're going to pray for Home Bay together. Uh, following from next Sunday, we are going to pray for, we're using the subject places. We're going to talk about we need a bigger Sunday venue. Today gets a bit tight, particularly when we've got visitors. But it gets tight on our normal Sundays quite often as well now, doesn't it? We need a bigger place. We have been pushing on the door for a bigger place for three years, probably now. We've asked the high school three times. They've said no. We can't ask again. We'll be nagging. Bless them. They've been very good and they've tried hard. We nearly got hold of a nightclub last year. That fell through as well. We're still convinced, it probably shouldn't be on the recording, we're still convinced it's ours that they don't know it yet. But uh, we're just praying through that. We're working out what God's got up his sleeve for that. We're trusting he gives us the resources we need as we grow. But we need to keep pushing on the doors. We need to hear from God in that. So we're going to press in to praying for a bigger venue, but also praying for the Beacon Centre that we own, our community centre on C Street. That's used for various groups during the week. We'd love to see God working through that. We want to pray for the people who use that. Pray for yeah, ingenuity in how we use it in new ways as well. It's a, it's a place of influence, isn't it? But also places across Herne Bay. We want to pray for the other churches as well. We are not the be-all and end-all in Herne Bay. There are other great churches in town as well. We want to pray for them, pray for church unity, pray for their strengthening, pray for their growth and welfare as well. Week three, um, we are going to be um, seeking God's presence on the back of what Maureen will have uh, shared on the Sunday. And on that Thursday, on the 21st, we've got a slot where we're going to be down in the evening, down at the Beacon Centre, where I trust, if you're willing, to commit to have fasted for the day to fast from the previous evening's meal until the Thursday evening meal. Just pray for 24 hours. And as Andrew will explain in a minute, it gives us uh, room in our hearts and minds to just to step aside from the busyness of life and to say, God, we want you more. And if as a church, as many as are willing to do that, if we step into that together and then we'll gather together in the evening, again, the agenda for that is very, very open. We're going to find out what God wants to do during that time together when we meet. And then week four... We are going to pray for salvation. We believe what we hold, the truth about Jesus, is the biggest truth on this planet. We would love more people to see him the way we see him and for them to step into his great invitation for this great adventure, living a life with Jesus. We'd love more people to do that. And baptisms as well is when people stand up publicly. Baptism doesn't save you. Baptism is a, an outward demonstration of what's occurred inside. We'd love more and more people across Herne Bay to go, do you know what? I'm in 100% for Jesus. We'd love to see more people... With that, we want to pray for church growth, not just numbers, but in deepening relationships and deepening particularly with God. That is what we have planned for the next few weeks. And like I say, each week I'll upload something that will help you press into that in more detail as well. I hope that makes sense. Um, Andrea is now going to explain the subject of fasting, which can sound very, very scary. It's not nice, but it's good. So Andrea will explain more.
All right, it is bit, a bit scary, but bear in mind, you're only about 10 minutes from coffee and cake, so hang on in there. <laughs> All right, so the verse I've got up there, Matthew 6, verse 16, Jesus actually says, when you fast. So the assumption is that at some point we will fast rather than if you fast. So sadly, no loophole. And Jesus himself fasted, so we probably need to look into it. How many people here have done a spiritual fast before? Nice. Good. How many fasted in the last year? Not because I'm holy, but I was more desperate. So, Okay. Um, Right, so we often talk about fasting hand-in-hand with prayer, prayer and fasting, and it generally implies that we're digging deeper with God, that we're pressing in. And practically speaking, it's simply not eating for a time, putting food aside to seek God. You'll be drinking water, but you're putting food aside. It can be just for a meal. I've fasted a breakfast before now, um, or 24 hours, or three days, Less commonly, 10 or more days, or 40, as Jesus did. Although the elders have requested, if you fancy doing a 40-day fast, have a little word with them first. (laughs) Run it past them so they can support you. Uh, All right. It is also possible, if you're not physically able to fast, medicines or the the job you're doing or whatever, um, to fast, say, from smartphones or TV or chocolate or whatever. But today we're mainly thinking about the water fast, the biblical water fast. Um, Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's Matthew 4.4. 4. So there are times when we want the word of God more than we want bread. Uh, the wider church, including some of us, we've neglected fasting over recent decades, and yet in the Bible it's one of the major spiritual tools um, that God has given us. And the people have used over the centuries um, at various times, in times of crisis, as a time of regular spiritual discipline or seeking bread th- uh, breakthrough um right i'm going to look at a few things today and anything i miss john's going to pick up next week because he's amazing um so that will be good uh i am no by no means an expert i have done a three-day fast and quite a number of 24-hour fasts over the years but i'm sure as I've, we saw from a show of hands there are people who know much more about it than me but it has definitely grown me and stretched me so i haven't got long I wanted to recommend the book that's really helped me prepare this talk, um, Arthur Wallace, God's Chosen Fast. It's out of print, but you can still get it on Amazon secondhand. Uh, Really inspiring, challenging, but really inspiring. You're like, why am I not doing this more? And then you put the book down and you feel like a cup of tea and a biscuit and you, (laughs) okay. All right, so I've tried to think of an an illustration that would be helpful for us at this point, so bear with me. If you're thinking about, for example, you want to get physically fitter, you want to get stronger, you want to get slimmer, you want to get healthier. So you go out there, you get your gym membership, you buy some groovy lycra, some new trainers, and then maybe you spend a lot of time in the, uh, the gym coffee shop slurping lattes, or sadly, that is not going to be enough to get fit. We might even sit on the odd exercise bike um, yakking with a friend. Honestly, this isn't my story. I'm not channeling what I do. (laughs) Um, But we might feel like we're in the right place looking the part, well, depending on the Lycra situation. Um, But really, we know that we won't achieve what we could, what we're capable of, unless we really engage with the program and we are disciplined using the equipment as it was intended to be used. So, are we hungry for more of God? Do we want to build our spiritual muscles? All right. 
We read God's word and there's a lot more in there than we are experiencing and we, I want it. I don't know if you want it. I really want it. Let's go for it. If we're serious about it and impacting the world around us, um, it's going to require something of us. It's going to take an investment, determination, and yes, some sacrifice. Although meanie Stevie has said we can't have a church like dress code. No fair. Whew. Right, so we need to get stuck in. Let me tell you, I'm going to, um, I think Steve's given most of the practical details, but there might be a couple more at the end. I've got three things that fasting isn't, a few things that fasting is, and then we're done. All right. So, fasting isn't wrestling or pleading with an indifferent God, with a reluctant God. God's word teaches us that he cares. The fact that he sent his own son to sort out our mess proves how much he cares. He wants to be involved. He sees us. He knows us. He has plans for us and things to give us, but he waits patiently for us to come to him. That's the whole free will thing. He doesn't force us to be with him. He wants us to seek him out. Martin Luther, the 16th century monk uh, behind the Protestant Reformation, wrote, prayer, and I'm adding fasting, is not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of his willingness. Laying hold of his willingness. That's awesomely encouraging. He is willing, as Steve has already um, said. We are not wrestling with an indifferent God. We are not trying to bribe God with our good behavior to impress him. And we won't unimpress him if we don't fast. Because we are in Jesus, the Father loves us and we have his favor on us. Fasting isn't for his benefit, it's for our growth. All right, fasting on his own isn't going to work miracles, although you might think if you've gone without three meals, that's miraculous in itself. Um, it will not necessarily immediately change very much, but we need to use the time when we're not eating to draw near to God and spend time with him. If you do a fast, if you join us on the 21st and it's your first one, you'll learn an awful lot about the process the first time. But if, if you fast again, it will help you grow in many ways in our relationship with God. All right, so what is fasting? It's a spiritual tool or discipline. We put food aside. God, I need food, but I need you more at this point. It's, um, fasting is coming apart, not coming apart at the seams, but taking time out of our busy lives to spend time with God. We're putting the physical stuff aside to concentrate on the spiritual stuff. We are not just a body. We are spiritual beings. And we need to pay attention to our relationship with God. If we find ourselves saying, God feels distant, well, I'm not sure he's there, but we haven't sought him out, then it's maybe not surprising that he feels different. Jeremiah, distant. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Now that's a promise, something we can hold on to. All right. Fasting is generally private. If you look at the notice on fasting, generally private between you and God. You decide, God, I need to spend some time fasting, and you keep it between you and God. We're not supposed to drift around looking wan and pale, waiting for someone to say, oh, you're all right. Yes, I'm fasting. Oh, you're amazing. Yes, I know. Nope. It's private between you and God. We're doing a collective one. We're coming together as a body, and that's okay, and that's good. But generally, it's private. So what will we do when we're fasting? We will be focusing on God's word and spending time 
worshipping him, praising him. If you just miss a meal and then sit there, all you're going to think about is food. How many minutes since I last ate? How many minutes till I eat again? What I'm going to eat when I finish this? Um, so it's good to have a plan. I'm going to read these psalms. I'm going to listen to this worship music and praise God. Um, if you're at work, you might go out for a prayer walk rather than watch, watching your colleagues munching on their sandwiches or um, maybe phone someone else in the church and pray together. What else might you do? You might wait and listen to God. So you have a notebook to hand, just see what God is saying. I spent a long time once painting the outside of our garden fence and I was like, I came in the garden when I was like, yes, I've done it. And I can't explain this. It wasn't really an audible voice, but I felt God draw my attention to an amazing azalea that was in flower after several years of not flowering. And he said, I've been busy too. It's like, oh. So if you stop and listen, you can hear. If you make time, you will hear. Right, you might be lifting up a particular issue. Very often, if we aren't really into fasting, it's something we might only come to at a time of crisis or really big decisions that we want to make. It is a mystery, but somehow it opens the door for God to work his purposes in a situation, making a way for God's will to be done in our circumstances. Prayer and fasting changes us, and it changes situations. Uh, there are many examples in the Bible. I'm sure John will pick up on them next week. Queen Esther called, calling the Jewish people to fasting. Three days of prayer and fasting before she approached the king and succeeded in averting a catastrophe, the imminent, imminent, imminent annihilation of all the Jews. It was averted. She called people to pray and fast. Their God saved them. Um, during World War II, there were day, national days of prayer that saw amazing breakthrough at Dunkirk. We got all our soldiers and many allies, 380,000 miraculously came back across the sea because the weather was bad, stopping the, the enemy. The weather was good, allowing the small boats. The, somehow, mysteriously, the enemy didn't move for three days. That was a national day of prayer. Um, uh, we can have breakthrough. We can see breakthrough. Uh, it may seem a bit over-holy now, but Bob and I, 27 years ago, before we got engaged, we were like, is this even the right thing? We really like each other, but are we both going in? So we prayed and we fasted for a day. And then we thought, right, let's do this thing. And so far, so good. 26 years. <laughs> hanging in there. Okay. All right. So some friends and I are fasting and praying at the moment for a friend's son who is, who is very ill. And another group I know is praying and fasting for a church plant in Brussels as they're trying to get established. When you're fasting... Remind yourself of God's promises and ask him about what's on your heart. Um, so, God, you said, my grace is sufficient for you. So I need your grace now. That might be something you could pray. Um, God, your word says you want everyone to be saved. Please save so-and-so or help me to witness to so-and-so. God, your word says you supply all our needs. Help us in this situation. Thank you for your provision. Okay. Practical information, so if you want to do the 24-hour uh, fast on the 21st of March together, what it means is you'll have supper normally on the 20th and then just drink water until you have supper on the 21st before the meeting that we come to together. Um, if you normally drink a lot of coffee or sugar, eat sugar, you might find it best to cut down a couple of days before. Otherwise, you won't be feeling very holy on your fasting day. You'll just have an epic headache. Um, also, make sure you stay hydrated, drink plenty of water. Um, yeah, is that everything? I think so. Well, I hope you're inspired to try. If not, hang on for cake. All right, so Bob, a few weeks ago with Mick, they preached about self-discipling, training yourself. This is something we choose to do.
Um, it's not something that Steve can do on our behalf for man. There's not much of him already. He can't, you know. <laughs> we have to own this thing. All right, so I'd like to challenge us all to think about fasting, perhaps discuss it in our small groups this week, um, looking at the handouts the elders have produced. Um, you'll get a more doctrinal basis next week, so that will be brilliant. And shall we fast? I dare you. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Andrea. That was excellent. I always used to falsely assume that fasting was like a hunger strike. I'm going to go on fast. I'm going to fast until you give me what I'm asking for. That's not what it's about at all. It's about joining in with the struggle around us and seeking him first. So I trust that's excited you. I'm actually excited about the thought of fasting now. I never thought I would be. It's taken me 48 years to get here. Now I'm, quite, I'm looking forward to the idea. I'm going to do it. And I trust you are feeling the same too. We're just coming into land now. Let me just say, if all of this is brand new or weird to you, you've come here for the baby Thanksgivings, and this is all a bit like, what the heck are these people on? <laughs> Firstly, I get it. I, I, I get it. I understand it. But secondly, let me just say, at the very least, would you please just consider what life might be like if it was possible to speak to the one who breathed life into being? Just consider, when we're just talking about prayer in general, just think about what, what if? What if that there is a beautiful mind behind all this who not only exists but he still loves to be involved in the conversation. He loves to journey alongside, that, alongside us. In fact, he has stepped into our, our very fabric of time and space as a person to suffer for us as well. What if this amazing, beautiful mind, this great author, still journeys alongside us today and he continues to breathe life into us and the people around us and the circumstances that surround? What if? If you've got any questions, please feel free to ask any of us that have been up the front here. Ask your friends who brought you along. If you've got those kind of questions, don't keep them to yourself. Questions are meant to be answered. At the very least, ask them out loud and consider what if. Meeting with Jesus, I've got to say, is the best thing on this planet. And I'd love to find, for you to find out for yourself as well. Just a reminder, there'll be a video. Keep your eyes peeled and, and a sheet going online on the website later on, probably this afternoon or evening. Keep an eye out for it. For it. I'm just going to ask you now, before we sing a final song, I'm just going to ask, if you're up for this, to stand with me. If you are a part of Beacon Church, I ask you to seriously to consider will you stand with me. If you're, not a friend of Beacon, uh, if you're not a member of Beacon Church, if you don't consider Beacon Church your home, please feel free to stay seated where you are. Just enjoy watching. Don't, don't feel weirded out or this is an exclusive thing and you're sitting and everyone else is standing, whatever. If you just want to sit down, just watch what's going on. That's absolutely fine. But I just want to, we just had a, some um, moments of dedication earlier with the parents and the babies, didn't we? We're going to do a moment of dedication now as Beacon Church. I'm, I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you a big long question. And if you're up for it at the end, if together you'll say we do, that's, that's my heart. Okay, so if, you're, if you consider Beacon Church to be your home and you are up for this, you are all in, would you like to stand with me? That would be brilliant.